Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where I speak with creative entrepreneurs, artists, and other insanely interesting people to hear their stories learn about their molding moments, tipping points, and spectacular takeoffs. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Hillier Rubin's difficult childhood resulted in an incredible work ethic in which she started creating demand for herself at a very early age. Her need to survive gave her what she referred to as a PhD in street smarts. Listen in as we discuss her incredible journey from stealing food to making six figures. Hillary, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. I'm really excited. Well, <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we're, we're thrilled to have you. I mean, you and I connected by way of our mutual friend, Melissa Casero, who is, is truly masterful at, at somehow getting guests on this show. So, you know, for those of you guys who always ask, how do you get on the show? Talk to Melissa. She may be able to help. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, I want to ask you my first question, which is um, tell us a, a bit about yourself, your background, your story, and, and how that has led you to doing the work that you do today. Uh, well, it's a very wide question, so I want to keep it as succinct as I can. Um, well, you know, my story, it starts off like from the beginning. It just, I feel like I, the hard part of my life had to start in the beginning. I was adopted. And so right away, um, you know, out of the womb and all of that, I was imprinted with uh, my own abandonment issues and not fitting in and just rough stuff and not even realizing that and, and had to over years really kind of face that as an entrepreneur and also in the work that I did. And so my life was supposed to be the perfect Jewish upbringing. Um, and it wasn't, <laughs> you know, I was adopted. I was picked because I fit. My parents waited seven years to have me to adopt me so I could match my brother. So it was very much a product of the seventies of people don't, didn't want to know, like it, you didn't want people to know your kids were adopted then it's very different than now. And so my life, instead of, you know, it, it, it was meant and was on a track of me going to private school and having money and, um, whatever that means, you know, being the middle upper middle class. And basically I would have grown up going to private school at meaning like sent away to private school during the year and then summers overnight camp so that my parents weren't really like, I was just basically a purchase thing, like a suit. So that was kind of what my life was supposed to be, you know, whatever, whether I was supposed to become a lawyer, like my father or what have you, but things changed. Um, my parents got divorced at five and that's when everything got really rough and tumble. And, uh, my brother, uh, when he came back to us, he, I was abused physically and emotionally and he was in drugs. And so there was a lot of neglect. Uh, my mother worked a bunch of jobs just to scrape by. Uh, so we went from a big house to a two bedroom apartment and I slept in bed with my mom. Like that's happened through like elementary school, junior high school, like in high school, like I had a lot of that. So there was just it really, um, moments of how my life was and very quickly 
I had to learn how to create some kind of persona and image to be something that I wasn't, um, which, you know, bit me in the butt many years later. And so I um, had to survive. Like my life was based on survival all the time. And the interesting thing is I always saw the good in things. I, I don't know. It just was instilled in me. And it was like, okay, I could always see there was something good. And so I had contrast because I had family members that I, that would come and take me away. Um, when I was abused, you know, it was like, it was like, Oh, this is how life's supposed to be. (laughs) Somebody makes dinner. (laughs) I'm not eating like junk food and stuff. And so there was just many years, um, as things went on and my mother got remarried, divorced, all that stuff. I, um, I, my brothers were drug dealers. So that was my first (laughs) exposure to entrepreneurialism. (laughs) Um, and, um, I just really knew that like I had to, find another way. So how I found safety was, um, in a refrigerator box in Philadelphia is where I grew up. And when people threw away, threw away the boxes for refrigerators, the first kid to get their hands on it was, it was like a gold, like you got gold. So I remember outside of the house that we were in, it was row homes. There was this box that I was in and I brought all my crayons and my pillows, um, And I created this little like getaway for myself. So it was through art and photography and self-expression, which really saved me. Um, Which then later on, uh, I worked very early on, um, whatever jobs. I I worked at trade shows, selling jewelry, um, setting up the sets, uh, like the the booths for my aunt, because she was, uh, that's what she did is she sold jewelry. So that was like my second phase into seeing someone like, it was like seeing a woman work for herself because I didn't have a lot of positive role models and I was very hungry for it. So that was the, and I'm realizing that now as I'm telling you, cause I've never shared this before is I saw that she worked for herself and she taught me a lot of things like always have good relationships with people, know things about their family, like really teaching me to be focused on the individual and how to connect with people. And so I just, you know, and I'm, I, I was like preteen when I did all that. So I was always really working. I wanted to be put to work, right. Cause it helped me stay safe, anything outside of my home. And so didn't matter what jobs I did, whether I worked for a pizza place or I wrapped gifts, like I just did whatever I could. Um, and then later on, I guess in high school, I got a job in fashion doing, uh, windows. One of my friend's sisters work managed a store. So that exposed me to fashion and went, Oh, I can become this other person. So I, on the outside, everything looked normal. You know, I was able to put myself together. I was able to recreate this person. And at a very young age, I was dating older men and going to clubs. Like it was just kind of crazy. You know, I had a lot of insecurity. Um, I was pretty messed up on a mental level, uh, but I knew that I had to get out of Philadelphia in order to survive. And I did. So I went to call, I went to FIT. I was in the fashion world. I didn't finish school. Um, I just used street smarts. It was like whatever I could do to kind of hustle to make it work. Um, because I needed to survive. I was in the really beginning part of my life was running away from things. You know, that's really what got me to, to do things. And I did sales. I could sell ice to Eskimos. Like literally it didn't, I just knew how to do it. And that saved me really. Um, and then as things went along, you know, I, I didn't finish school, um, because there was just other stuff. My mother passed away from cancer. You know, it was just like crazy. And I, I just wanted to work. I just didn't feel like I had enough time to do anything. It was 
I got to work. I got to get out there. I will learn on the job. And I went to school for display and exhibit design. So I didn't even go for regular design um, because I didn't know how to sew. And, um, and I just feel like I didn't have, I didn't have the time to sew. So I already did windows and I was like, all right, I'm just going to use my skills. It was always like, what can I do and how can I figure it out? And like, how can I really sell myself? And I feel like I did that all the time. Um, as I was like, I was like running from my, my past constantly. And so I did well, like I was able, you know, I, I, I was able to work it a lot. I got my teachers hooked me up with different jobs. I was doing whatever I could. And then I ended up working at um, ABC Carpet and Home in New York, which is a huge store now. And they were just starting to bring in home stuff. Um, and I went and started doing that. And I would just get stoned on the job. And I got fired because I didn't take order. I didn't take um I, I didn't do what they told me to do. I just went off and did what I wanted to. And they're like, you need to do it like this. And you need to set up like the table. This is how you have to be creative. And I was like, what? You can't tell me how to be creative. <laughs> like, get out of here. So I got fired. And I just um, really, then it was like, okay, what's next? And I just always networked. I always went out to parties and hustling in New York. And I had friends. And it was just, I would be like, all right, I want to, I would just say, just look for jobs. And it was interesting that whatever showed up, there was a job for a fashion magazine, for a menswear magazine. And, um, I actually, my job interview was walking with the fashion director and he asked me a few questions and I didn't have the experience. And he's like, can you do this, 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 whatever. And I said, yes. And I got the job and, um, I did that. And that really built like that started to shift things for me. It was like, oh, I have responsibility. I'm a fashion editor. I, you know, it was just like, again, still running. And basically as I, I had a lot of different jobs in the fashion world because everyone in the fashion world is reinventing themselves. So I was with a bunch of misfits, you know, that um, did not have a lot of personal growth. Uh, and then I basically shifted things around and started to do PR because I was interested and I got bored and was like, all right, I don't want to do this. I want to do PR. And I started my own PR firm, not knowing anything other than receiving PR stuff. And I produced fashion shows and I did a fashion show at Steinway Hall, which I don't think they ever did before. And I got all these people to donate stuff. I mean, it was amazing. I was just able to convince people to do whatever I asked them to do, uh, which was a good power. Uh, but really that all led me to a great place where, um, I was interviewed to work at Prada and, uh, to do PR, to be their PR manager. And I, I did some other jobs, but I, again, had no experience in PR. I dressed the part cause I knew how to become like, I was like an actor going, okay, this is who I am. And I got hired for $20,000 less for the role. So that person saw something in me and saved money or basically got the money. And then, um, <laughs> I did that and I was really good. I was really, really good at it and I really loved it. And then I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. My whole running away caught up with me and I thought my life was over. I was like almost being in a prison and I thought that cause fashion was everything for me. Um, and then I realized I had to do some work. I had to look at what was going on. So that's when I got given my first self-help book, Louise Hay, Heal Your Body. And that's when it all changed. You know, I just was like, I could be a victim, but I've never been in my life. Or I can just be a wellness warrior or just keep going on into the unknown and, 
and do something else. And that's the road I took. Um, fast forwarding (laughs) today, I'm symptom medication free. Um, the beginning of my work from fashion, uh, led me, you know, and I had a bunch of different freelance gigs that I did, whatever I had to do to survive. I, um, I found yoga and, and it was like the first time anyone ever said, you know, I matter in the world. I mean, it was totally like, what (laughs) the philosophy cracked me open. And, um, I said no to a lot of things and fought the medical world. Didn't go into depression medication, all this stuff. Didn't do a lot of therapy. And, um, basically what happened is I just decided to leave New York and come to LA and do a yoga teacher training, um, and totally changed my life. And I just asked for a lot of things from the job I was working at. And everyone said, yes, like I was just really good at convincing people to do what I asked them to do, you know? Um, Cause I also really believed in a lot of the things that I did. Like at that point was like, I'm just going to go be a yoga teacher. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to figure it out. And that's kind of what I've always been doing. And I still do it, but now it's a lot more organized Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I did the healing work. You know, I had to forgive my past and I had to, you know, really look at like, here's this kid who's like this little punk who was fighting the world and running away. And there was the spiritual, you know, there was a lot of like my own finding my spirituality and, um, not doing things because they looked good on the outside, but actually starting to go, well, what do I want to do? Right. Mm-hmm. That's where it started to flip. Right. Cause it's so easy today for kids or for even entrepreneurs to go, Oh my God, I want that business. Right. And then people can figure it out. And then you're like, Whoa, no, this isn't really what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So basically, you know, I left in 2002, uh, New York to come to LA, uh, and I became a top yoga teacher. You know, I immediately just, I realized that I learned, um, on a, on a kinesthetic level and an auditory level and a visual level. So it put everything together. And I quickly started teaching at a place called city yoga in LA, which is no longer around. And I got on their schedule and like, I left New York and moved here and then boom, like things just went. And because of my PR background and everything, I used my story and I got in, you know, over time yoga journal. I did yoga DVDs. I traveled the world teaching. I taught for about 10 years. Um, and then I started to transition I wanted to coach. I wanted more. Mm-hmm. So I found a mentor and I went that way. And now, um, that's what I do. <laughs> 2012, I guess, no, 2013 is when I had my last yoga client. Um, I'm a big believer. I've always done one thing and had an interest in another and kind of did them side by side until like I shifted the, you know, and just let go of something. So I've always been that way in my life for the most part with my work. And now I coach and, um, I don't have a certification in coaching. Um, I think it's great if people feel they need certification, but as you've heard some of my story, it's, I just got a lot of results for myself. Um, I've healed a lot, uh, to, to come from the background I've come from and actually be married and have a healthy relationship to me is probably my biggest, (laughs) my biggest triumph (laughs) Um, to not have, not to carry on the dysfunctionality that I, um, experienced. Mm -hmm. And, um, now I coach coaches, you know, to do not to like steal food to eat. Cause I know that was a moment in my life when, um, when I was a kid growing up, which I didn't share, like, you know, when I, my house was like run by drug dealers, you know, I had to steal food to eat, you know, I've had to be in some like compromising situations. So, um, it's a long story cause this is 40 years, you right. know? So, so just to kind of give you that is, you know, today I just look at my life and I count my blessings and I'm just amazed that, 
yes, we can really recreate ourselves, but do it from more of pulling me towards what I want as opposed to running away from something. And that's kind of where I am today. You know, I really believe in what I do and I, which has always been what has allowed me to succeed. And then I believe in the people that I work with and come across because I see in them, you know, the thing that, that people saw in me, you know, whoever encouraged me, it was, I just feel like that's my role is to, you know, inspire people and to create and all that, but to really encourage people, um, to become themselves as opposed to becoming something else, you know, some, somebody else, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Makes all the sense in the world. So as you might imagine, I have tons of questions. Um, so, you know, I want to go back to the very beginning of this. Uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things that you said that really kind of struck me was that you said, you know, you've become imprinted with the, you had become imprinted with the circumstances of your life. And I think this is actually quite common. Uh, you know, we, we spent a lot of time, Greg Hartle and I, talking about the idea that your temporary circumstances are not your permanent identity. Mm-hmm. And Yet for you, getting that imprint really shaped a lot of the way this journey has gone. And I'm curious, you know, it, when you're when you're working with people, when you're talking to people, how do you deal with, you know, the imprints that that sabotage us, and and how we, yeah, you know, how we erase them, or if we don't erase them, how do you, you know, turn them around in such a way so that they serve us? Uh, you are so intuitive, and I love it. Um, you're such a good journalist. Um, really, I see you as a journalist. <laughs> Um, I really do, right? Because you're you really get into that, and you got to the core of what my work is. Like I'm literally have tears in my eyes. Like I feel so seen by you right now and hurt. So thank you, seriously. I, I mean that. I, I I I'm not a BSer. You know, because I look back at my own life and I took the time to look at my what I call my my timeline, mm-hmm. and I wrote all of the experiences of my life, many of what I just shared with everybody, right? Then I started to look at it, and I said, okay, what did that imprint put on me? So adoption, what do you think, right? Abandonment. Mm-hmm. How did I deal with that? And I started to look at, because through the self-help books, I just went crazy through self-help books. You know, I, I didn't hire coaches till way longer. You know, it was like every from Louise Hay to like every book, I just, they became my friends, you know, and there's like tears in the pages. So what I've done is I looked at the patterns and I looked at how things were recreating and I looked at the things I wasn't looking at. So I looked at my own life first and I actually taught this in workshops, which is how I transitioned into coaching, which is also what I help my coaches do. Find your system and what you've overcome and what you've done and what tools, what books, what did you do? What did you adapt? So when I work with people one-on-one, um, because I work with a lot of coaches because they want to coach, but they have all these inner game issues. And I just notice and listen to the language. Language is first. So I, I look at it as, as becoming a language architect. It's in my book, <laughs> which is sitting with my agent that we haven't sold yet to a publisher. But one of the, the chapters is becoming a language architect. So it's actually paying attention to your language. I don't have enough time, right? My whole thing was having not enough time. So when I listen to people, I listen to the patterns. I listen to the repetitive things that they're saying that are their beliefs. Usually it's not their beliefs, right? If someone says to me, well, I'm, I'll say, oh, okay, so tell me where you are. Are you an only child? No, I'm the middle child and I'm dealing with middle child syndrome. Oh, okay, so do you believe in middle child syndrome? Yeah, I do. Well, there's an imprint. 
right? <laughs> that That's like, okay, if you believe that to exist, and again, these things in our culture, and I look at people from a cultural standpoint as well, is I take that all into consideration. So, um, and one of my strengths through Strength Finder is individualization, um, which I think is one of the best tests I ever did because it's surface, but it's fine because it just said, this is what you're good at. It's like, okay. Um, so I really look at those imprints and I look at the patterns and then I point those patterns out and then I go deeper. And then like all of a sudden they'll go, Oh yeah. I'll say, but when did that first happen? Like, when did somebody say you weren't enough? So like, if someone's like, well, I'm a middle child, I was never good enough as the younger one. And I was never good enough as this. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I had that good enough thing. I'm not good enough. And so I said, all right, well, let's look at that. How is that affecting your decisions and your choices? Like, how is that shaping your world? So I asked those questions and there's usually tears and then there's exercises. So I'm very intuitive with my system. I have different things that I do with people, but the first thing I do is I look at their language and then I, we look at rewriting it. So we have to look at permission. When I gave myself permission to say no to medication and to go another way, it was, I could go that other way. I didn't feel remorse or regret. I was on fire. It was like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do everything. So I feel like the biggest thing is that when I work with people in these patterns is we look at the patterns, we look at the language, and then we create the reframe and we point out how it's showing up. That's one part of it. Um, now, again, the permission statement I feel is really important because it's, I'm giving myself permission to release not to let go. To me, when people say let go, it doesn't work. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, just let go of it. It's like, mm -hmm. excuse me? It, how can I let go of something that I've been holding so tightly? And it's like, it's like being on the monkey bars. You know, when you're on the monkey bars as a kid and it's like, just let go and touch the floor. And you're like this little midget, you know, what, as a kid. And then it's like, if somebody says, just release your hands a little bit. So it's like, I can release and then I can let go. So this is just something I noticed is when people will give themselves permission to release a pattern, then we put in a new pattern and they can use that verbally and hear themselves. It's not an affirmation. It's not whatever Tony Robbins calls his thing, which is old stuff. I mean, it's not like I'm recreating. It's like, I'm just letting there be an own evolution of what worked for me. And most of my clients, that's what those permission statements. And also I create meditation specifically for them mm -hmm. so that they start to hear they're enough. They start to hear the things that they've never heard. And then they get to validate themselves because so many people, all of us feel like we're not enough. All of us feel like we don't, we have our abandonment issues. You know, we all have, we're all human. We have the same feelings. The only thing is different is our perspective on it. And when we can see what our perspective is, then we can change it. You know, and that's what I learned from yoga philosophy. It was like, oh, <laughs> that's another way of looking at it, you know. And one of my teachers said, it's like, stay, you know, hold on to what you believe, but be flexible enough to let it go. Because if a better idea comes along, take that on and let go of what you have, right? Mm -hmm. That's the whole breaking the ceilings. So hopefully that's helpful. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it, I, I love that you brought up language. Uh, you know, you, you may have read this book. I'm reading this book called The Three Laws of Performance uh, for a second time, uh, which is largely based on the work of the Landmark Forum. But the reason I wanted to bring this question up is you, know, you mentioned uh, that's funny. Uh, the, you know, the idea of language and self-help books. One of the things that I see as a continual pattern, and, and I've seen this, uh, you know, 
across the board. And, and, you know, when we finished our event, I specifically told every single person, I said, you know, that high that you're feeling right now after three days in this room, I have to warn you that it's going to be gone. Um, <laughs> because I think that, you know, people, people yeah. become addicted to that. Um, yeah. and I, you know, and I know it because I, you know, it, and the reason I brought up landmark is it, it was the example that came to my mind. I said, you know, you see these people, that that becomes their life, but they don't actually go out and do anything. They're like, I'm mm -hmm. doing all this self-improvement, but it's like, then, you know, that basically becomes another sort of obsession and another trap. And I'm wondering, you know, I mean, I've had happiness researchers here. I have, I've had everybody who, who talks about this kind of stuff, how you actually escape that trap to turning it into actually doing something, uh, as opposed to <laughs> fooling yourself into thinking, Hey, I'm improving my life, but really all I am now is addicted to Oprah or addicted to some other self-help guru. Well, that's an awesome question. And, you know, <laughs> being that person too and understanding it, you know, egos are funny. Mm -hmm. They're so tricky, like mercury. You know, mercury is a really funny, potent material substance. And, you know, when they have mercury poisoning in the body, they can't really track it, right? It's really hides. And like, when I work with my clients, I look at how their egos put together, like what their coping mechanisms are. And, you know, we all have levels of addiction, you know what I mean? So yeah, you know, you go to Tony Robbins. And when I went to Tony Robbins, I met people in line who was like, it's my 20th time going to UPW. And I was like, really? That's interesting. You know, I was like, <laughs> and so you haven't and, unleashed the power. Clearly. Yeah. Like really like, and you know what I mean? And so, you know, being an activator, I'm somebody who wants to test it out, right? Mm -hmm. That's just me. And I feel what happens is people. And again, landmarks really funny. Cause I've never done landmark, but people always think they're like, you did landmark. I'm like, no, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, but I'm in line with their stuff. Um, I just feel like, because it also happened for me in yoga. I got to a point where I studied so much yoga philosophy, tantric yoga philosophy, mantras. Like I was really in like deep, you know, <laughs> like Sri Vidya, like serious yoga philosophy. And it was like, how many years can I study this? Like, can I just put this out in the world? And that infu that's a foundation of my coaching is like, that's where it goes. And I really feel like really for people is to step back and they got to call themselves out. Mm -hmm. A lot of people I feel get addicted to anything, even coaching or tarot reading or astrology, because they don't want responsibility. I think that's the biggest thing people are afraid of is it's much easier to blame someone for it not happening or just be like, I'm not ready. And I'm going to, you know, it's like people who study forever. It's like, I have a degree. I have a law degree and a doctorate in this and a medical degree. And I'm like, when are you going to stop? Like, you're always going to be a student, but when are you going to go do something? So I feel like it's a couple things. I feel like it's, it's that leap to doing that program made them feel a way they never thought they could feel before. They were encouraged in a way they never were. Mm -hmm. They, and then it is like an addictive thing, right? There's endorphins that kick in and everything. Now, in those events, people walk away with, if they even put 10% into action, like that's actually good. Yeah. Like that's actually good. So I just feel that for some people, they just, they don't want to do the heavy lifting, mm -hmm. right? So going to the event just happens. And there's just some people who do that, you know, and if anyone who's listening to this, like, if you see that you're that person, well, cool. I was that person too. It's like, I went from event to event to event. And then, you know, the biggest, and then maybe did a little action. And what I would say is, you know, what is it? The biggest thing is like, what is it you're going into what you're doing? Like, what do you want to get out of it? And how are you going to use it? Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is really important is having the inquiry and having the maturity to just go, okay, I'm doing this event for X. 
and I want to walk away with one thing that I can put into action, mm-hmm. right? That, that to me sets somebody up with an intention to walk out with something. And I feel like it's a myriad of reasons. There isn't a blanket. It, it all depends on the individual, their personality. Um, there's just a lot of things. And, mm-hmm. and for me, I just, I can only say from my experience, it's like, I just went to an event and I said, I want to walk away with one thing that I can do differently. Like one thing. And then if I get that, then it was worth it. And I, and so I already had that set up before and it wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to network and make these connections. It was like, no, I just want this one thing. And then sometimes I've gone saying, Hey, I'm open to finding out something I've never learned before that can open my mind in a new way. Mm -hmm. But like that whole like thrill um, it's just good to be, you know, it's like, listen, if you, you get drunk, you know what that feeling is. And then you want to get drunk again to feel that feeling. <laughs> you just got to call it out if it's a little bit of an addiction. And I'm a big believer on, I do this with my clients, stop reading emails and stop consuming information. Like just stop. <laughs> I have them do it. Yeah. And I have them do it in my coaching program. I want you to get on rollme.com and just get everything in there so that if you need to get a hit, you get a hit. But I just know for me, what's changed my life in the past year and my business, because I did cross six figures last, um, in 2013 and I was edging up and it wasn't like I had big money, like I had money goals, but that's not what drives me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like, cause I had to deal with my own money issues and clear that up or whatever, but that's another story. But essentially it was like the more that I turned, tuned everything out, and I wasn't looking outside of myself for answers. And the more that I just tuned into my own information, um, to the God of my heart, if you will, like, just like, let me just tune in. What is my intuition? Let's go hiking. Let's, it's just, you know, getting that feeling that's not a high, but it's a, a different kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. It's like those events give greater feelings, but those endorphins or whatever gets rot- you can go for a run and have a, a huge breakthrough and figure out what your answer is to what you want and then go, whoa, you know, and, and you can create that on your own. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah, definitely. Um, I'm blabbing a little bit, but no, it, no, I'm something I'm passionate about. And I feel people consume way too much information and a lot of information that creates them to feel anxious. And then they're buying into something because people are good marketers. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Which is cool. Like marketing's cool, but understanding that there's no guarantees And so you can take the control and have ownership of, I just want one thing to walk away from, or I'm going just to have a fun time. Like, Mm -hmm. that's it. You know, and I understand that this, this, you know, that, that I'm going to have this high and maybe you can, you make a connection with someone that you keep that going with, you Mm -hmm. know? So that would be my answer. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Yeah, no, I, I love it. You know, I, I think the thing that really um, struck a chord for me is the the whole idea of responsibility, right? It's it's definitely you know once once you decide that, then you're suddenly responsible for all the results. And of course, if the results are crappy, you kind of have to own that. And yeah, you know, inevitably they will be to some degree. You, you know, when you start, like nobody starts out perfect at what they do. And and you know, one of the questions I constantly get asked is, how do you start? And I, you know, I wrote about this today. <laughs> And, you know, Greg Hartle said, he's like, you literally just plugged a microphone into a laptop and started talking to people. And, you know, even at our event, I, I, you know, I said, okay, look around you, see the entire event, see everything we've done. And I'm going to boil it down to you for three simple things for how this all starts. I said, I plugged a microphone into a laptop. I figured out a way to record the conversation and I found a way to post it on a website. And that is really at the foundation of everything that people know of me that's it it's really that that's all that's all that's actually there those are the things and i think that we overcomplicate things but uh but the responsibility thing i I think is really it it, it's fearful because it's kind of like okay well then you're gonna look like an idiot and it's like well if you're not willing to look like an idiot you're gonna have a lot of problems 
For sure. And you know what? It's just don't make it harder than it needs to be. And I feel like we're programmed as a society, and this is something that I'm really wanting to write about, and I'm seeing it as a pattern is, if it's not hard, Mm -hmm. then it's not going to work or it's not going to be, you know, it's like, what if it was easy? Like, what if it is just like taking ownership and going, huh, you know, I'm going to go and talk to 50 people and ask them this one question, and I'm going to put it on camera, and I don't even know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to follow the breadcrumbs. I'm going to follow the impact to create. That's what artists do. That's why, you know, my program's called the art and I'm not trying to plug it, but I'm just saying it's the art of becoming a coach very, because I see our life as art Mm -hmm. and that artists, sometimes some projects take forever and nobody sees it. And then they have a, they have a painting that they cover. You know, I'm, I secretly, if I was to do anything and I hope my, you know, I would be, I would have been a fine artist. But I convinced myself that because I didn't have money, I wouldn't. It doesn't matter. It's another thing. But art to me is everything. Mm -hmm. And I follow the stories of artists and their struggles and every – I just am fascinated by them Um, because they were always misfits. They always stood out. And they also depended on other people Mm -hmm. saying that they're an artist. You know, so – to me, like getting started, it's taking ownership. So if we take out the word responsibility and we take ownership and you actually realize that you can have space for it to succeed, but you can also have space for it to fail equally because you're going to learn from every step you take. I mean, and it's cliche, but the truth is, is if you don't take the first step, somebody else will Mm -hmm. and somebody else is, and it is totally scary to do it. But by putting yourself out there, I just feel like I always imagine it's this meditation I do with clients. It's like, imagine a thousand people behind you and it's inspired by, you know, Gandhi, you know, the 10,000 people are, were behind him when he was, you know, wanting to fight the Brits, you know, this little dude, you know, around salt and he just marched and they just took a stand. And there were all these people behind him that were waiting for that little dude to take a stand and walk. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like the motivation of why you're doing what you're doing and going, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but guess what? It's a lot of fun to not know what you're doing. At least if you're me, like I'm okay with uncertainty in my business. Um, you know, not in other areas of my life as much, but I just feel like taking ownership of what you want to do and letting it become something without being totally attached, most likely you're going to be pretty surprised. Mm -hmm. And I see that all the time. It's like, you know, the iPad happened before the iPhone, but the iPhone came first Mm -hmm. because somebody said like, let's make that a phone. And they waited until that came out. And that taking ownership of starting is just beta and testing and people do it. That's what farmer's markets are for. Like it happens all around us. So I feel like taking ownership and then looking at other people taking ownership and then being inspired to go, listen, you're not going to be the first person to look like an ass. (laughs) You're not going to be the first person to fail and you're not going to be the first person to succeed. Mm -hmm. But however, I just feel like for me, it's always been in my life. Again, like I said, is I was pushed by something and now I feel pulled. And so the question is like, what is somebody being pushed and pulled by? And, and that I think is something that we all just taking ownership and calling ourselves out, um, is, is might be scary or whatever it is, but you know, comedians do it all the time and they get, they do, you know, they call themselves out. So I just feel like when one does take that first step, I just feel like it's as petrifying as it is. I just see it as reframing it as like, that's the feeling of freedom, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Yeah. 
definitely. Well, I, th- I think that makes actually a perfect setup to, to talk about something else that I want to discuss, which you brought up earlier, which was this idea of creating a persona or image, mm. uh, which came back to bite you in the ass. And it, it's funny because, I mean, we live in a world that is entirely driven uh, by creating personas and images, you know, I mean, we're creating these personal brands, we're creating these, you know, media brands, we're using technology to craft images and personas. And, you know, the thing that I always say is you want to be careful that that doesn't become something very ego driven, because it was for me, and it, it led me mm-hmm. to some pretty dark places. But I'm really curious, um, you know, when when we think about this, and, and, and how it plays in the world we live in, I mean, obviously, it matters. Uh, I, I think that you, you do have to think about the fact that you are crafting an image or persona, whether you want to or not. Oh, yeah. Um, that That's happening. Uh, and I'm curious how you, you know, one, I'd love for you to talk about how to make sure you don't, you know, end up crafting one that comes back to bite you in the ass. Uh, and then, of course, how do you craft one that actually catapults you and, and really does serve you? Great question. I got to write it down right now. So I have it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just being here. Here's the thing. You know, <clears throat> totally, we create personas. I mean, that's just what we do. Like psychology, we need that. Um, otherwise, there's no structure, right, mm-hmm. for the ego. And, you know, and there's all levels and evolution to it. So, you know, how to make sure not to be bite, bit on the ass? I don't know if I can totally answer that because I know I was really ego-driven and I was teaching yoga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like <laughs> I was more ego-driven as a yoga teacher than I am now as an entrepreneur. You know, and I still was an entrepreneur then, but I was way more ego driven then. And it bit me on the ass, which is what got me where I am. So the question of like, you know, the question is, this is when you're creating the persona or creating a business persona, my question is, and what I do with people is when I'm looking and working with them in a deep dive and working with a coach of like, let's look at your business. Let's see what really, what you're here to do as opposed to being somebody else. Number one is this, if you're copying someone else, it's going to bite you on the ass. (laughs) Number one, right? If you're like trying to use somebody else's voice or somebody else's look, or you're basically, you know, just going, you know, if you're following what someone else is doing, it's not really your persona, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you're hiding behind someone else. I mean, the music industry, they change their personas all the time, which is how they reinvent themselves and keep their businesses going. Um, I love the music industry for that. Um, but really is the question for, I would say for people is to sit and go, okay, if I'm creating this person and this, this person is like, okay, yes, there's ego. And is it healthy for my ego or not? Am I wanting to be famous? Am I wanting to make a difference in the world? I mean, I just feel like there's some core questions to look at. And if you're saying you want to be famous, that's fine. Actually, Melissa Cesare and I were talking about that. I was like, do you want to be famous? She's like, hell no. And I was like, cool. I'm just curious because at a moment in my life, I knew that I wanted to be, mm-hmm. but, but I didn't, know, but when you do go through fame, you give up your privacy. And so it's really, and people say this all the time, like how much of yourself do you want to share? How much of yourself do you have people in your family that will be affected by it? You know, as you tell your story, you know, my persona and my story, people know it. And, um, and I'm okay with that. So at the end of the day, like, are you going to feel okay with what you're sharing with the world? And for some people who are introverts, they need to create a persona that's bigger than them so they can actually step into it. And I feel like if we're creating a persona, the question is, is who do you want to be two years from now? How do you want to be interacting with the world? How do you want people to talk about you? Like, seriously, like, do you, if somebody just met you, what would you want them to say about you? I just feel like those are the questions. It's like, I just know the core is, what do you want to be known for? 
I want to be known for being generous. That's something that like really over time, I realized I was generous, but it was like, no, I really want to be known for being generous and being honest and being loving. Mm-hmm. And I'm known for being a hard ass. That's why testimonials are good to get from. They're like, oh, wow. So I, so it's really clear of like, I feel the first thing is how to make sure not to be bit on the ass is asking those questions of who do you want to be in a few years so that you're like, oh, okay, I want to be this kind of person in my business. Even though right now you might not even know what your business is, mm-hmm. but you can know what you stand for and what your values are. So then that will look very different than like, I just want to be famous. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and to me, that'll catapult you because if you look two years from now, you know, three years from now, the person you want to become, then you're going to have like a filter to make better decisions in your business. Like you and I spoke about, you know, when you say no and when you say yes to people wanting to be on your program, Mm -hmm. you start to, to me, you have a lot, I believe you have a ton of integrity. Like that's awesome. That's a quality that, um, I, I seek out in people. And so the, the other side of it is how to, how to catapult it is also who are people that you respect in business that have personas. What are the qualities that they bring? Not what they do. Like, like how does it make you feel? And it, are those the kind of qualities that you want to cultivate within yourself? And I just feel like it's, it's a little bit of inner game. You know, it is the inner game. Um, I believe with like these certain, certain things that we create, you mm-hmm. know, so that would be my answer. I hope that's helpful. Yeah, that's incredibly helpful. I, I think that, um, you know, what's interesting, I love the idea of who you want to be two years from now, because I think that what that does is it creates a future that you are driven to live up to, um, or you feel compelled yeah. to live into. And, and that's something that I don't think we spend a lot of time thinking about. I mean, and, and here's the thing that I think about that is that people think that, okay, by the way, if you create that future and somehow you bring into existence that everything <laughs> stops when you get there, you're like, I'm there. <laughs> And I have finally realized that there is an illusion completely made up by people who think they're not there. Totally. So, well, let's do this. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to get um, into some of the creative aspects of this because there's a, you know, a couple of things you said that really intrigued me. Uh, you know, one is that for you, you know, art became this sort of form of self-expression. And so I'm really curious kind of how the upbringing, you know, being surrounded by drug dealers, the influences of your life have actually shaped um, your your creative perspective on things and, you know, and the art that you create. Um, and then I want to get into this idea of the impulse to create, because that's I think I am that's that's something that I just don't, you know, it's in my DNA. I have an impulse to create. It's something I have to do constantly. Mm-hmm. I'm right with you. Yeah. Wow. I just really am enjoying all your questions and your insight. <laughs> I, I, again, you know, I really, really just feel so seen and I really appreciate that. You know, it doesn't happen all the time. Thanks. You're, you're so awesome. Cause I'm not, you're connecting dots that like I haven't connected dots. <laughs> like I'm like, Oh my God, you know, and I feel really, you know, I'm not a scripted kind of interview person. I like to share different things. You know, that's, that's something that I feel that's part of my persona, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm a little bit, you don't know what you're going to get with me, <laughs> but, um, no, I, I, in some sense, you know, it's, this is who I am today, you know? So, you know, um, you know, my art and looking at artists and lives and all of that and, and how 
so the question is really like how I express, like how I express my art today. Is that what you're saying? My yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it, it seems like to some degree, I mean, even through all the reinvention of every aspect you're in, I mean, there is some element of creativity that is brought yes. into every career that you've had. Yes. And what I'm really curious about is how sort of the imprints of your upbringing have influenced and shaped kind of the way you view the world through all these different careers, through the time at Prada, yeah, yeah. you know, what you do now, all of that. You know, I was a stylist as well. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I look at myself as a stylist. And as a fashion stylist, I was an editor, right? When I was a fashion editor, I was really good, you know, like how you're really good at bringing people together and curating people. I was really good at finding the things that stood out, like the cool things and putting it together. And how my life has influenced me creatively, um, which is really interesting, is I can see the things um, that sometimes I can see the things that are missing right? Cause I was trained to do that in school, mm -hmm. but then I also look at the things that can be leveraged. I've had creatively, I've become, I'm extremely resourceful and I leverage what I have. And this is what I help people do, right? It's not about recreating the wheel. It's leveraging what's there. That's how it's allowed me to be resourceful and creative in my life. It's like, how do I use what I have to, in a better way, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, it's not about getting more. It's about using what's there. And, you know, creatively, my home is a way that I do it. But in my business, I have to say, like, I am not a great writer, but I've become a good copywriter from hiring people. And now, like, I'm a really good editor, right? Like, that's one of my creative skills. Like, I can look at copy or a talk or a bio or whatever, and I can edit and I can see a spin. I also, because I'm a good salesperson and, and understand people and how they function, is I see the spin on things and I see the patterns, so it's really helped me. The biggest thing is how I see the world, right? I look at the music industry and I see how they run business. I see what's under the hood naturally mm -hmm. of how things happen so I can figure it out, right? Because I'm like, oh, that's not that hard to do. Like, how can I figure that out, right? Like right now I have a, I was very against telesummits, but then I created one instead of a podcast mm -hmm. because I know the work it takes to do a podcast and I want to, I don't, I don't want to half-ass something. And so I kind of broke down the steps. Like, I just feel like I learned from my upbringing how to figure stuff out and break it down. And then whatever areas I don't know, I just like, they just figure themselves out like in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. I'm really good in that way. So it's just like when I go to supermarkets and I look at packaging or I look at how they're selling things, I just feel like it's taught me to appreciate things, you know? And it's like when somebody's a good salesperson, I'm like, you're really good at what you do. I'm going to buy that. Like, thank you. So I feel like my upbringing has allowed me to see resources within things that most people don't say. Mm -hmm. It's really allowed me to look at, um, create great metaphors and to see how things function. And, um, and I talk about creativity when I, it, in my work with my coaches, I'm like, you guys need to go to museums. Like you need to look at, you need to look at things outside of this. You need to get into other things. Um, so I just feel like my whole life has allowed me create to become curious, which is what I think is most important really for any entrepreneur is curiosity. Mm -hmm. um, and then to actually look at how systems run and what I like and what I don't, and then just bring along what works and leverage it. You know what I mean? And actually I also feel creatively. It's like, I have a ton of ideas of things I want to do like you, like I have to be creative every day. 
I mean, really, like I really do. And, and I actually create problems or situations for myself to get myself out of sometimes, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, you know, it's like, it's like, or I just do things I've never done before because of the, it really excites me to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how my, my background has affected me. And also because of my, my full, the different careers and what I've done and in and out of it and, and my interest in film and directing, I have a documentary that I will do at some point, um, around that I want to do is that I just know that I have like projects that I might do in 10 years from now, because I know at a certain point, I'm going to want that creative expression. Um, so I just really have a huge interest in things. And then I, I bring it together. You know, does that make sense? Like I'm able to kind of use that and then create the pattern and then teach from that. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just something nobody taught me. Um, And I'm grateful for Now the impulse to create, I, I'm just like you, like if, if I'm not in a space of creating, it doesn't even matter if I'm just doing like a brain dump and then I'm taking those ideas. You know what I mean? It's just like whatever process of creation, I really love it. You know, I love the whole process of it sometimes more than the actual output. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can, I don't know if you can relate to that. Like I just, I love the challenge of it and the, you know, I bake, I'm a huge, I didn't know how to cook. Right. I, I, I grew up on junk food. So I actually taught myself how to cook and I taught myself to bake. And I'll just, all of a sudden, one of the things that I do because I have impulse to create, I'm just like, you know what? I want to make gluten-free banana bread. And, um, I'm just going to find a recipe and I'm just going to make it and I'm going to tweak it. And, um, and I do that because from beginning to end, I, it either fails sometimes, sometimes it succeeds. And I feel like it's like this little mini thing that I can have a feeling of like finishing something. Um, and then other people can enjoy it, you know, if I eat it or I don't. So I feel like those impulses to create are really great. And that they don't have to be in your business. They can just be different. Like, I feel like everyone every day has to create. They do create something. You create your life every day. But what if you did, like, one little creative thing? Even if it's, like, reorganizing your socks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I just think it it helps me not to go crazy. (laughs) So let me ask you this. On on that note, um, you know, when we're we're looking at our own lives and looking at the things that we've been through, uh, you know, you clearly discovered a gift and an insight based on your own experiences. And I'm wondering, is that something that we can do and how we do it? Yeah, I mean... It's a process of experimentation. You know, if I feel like looking at your strengths and look at what you do, I do feel strength finder, whether you like it or not, like now discover your strengths or strength finder. That was one of the first things when I did that online test, knowing what my five strengths were, were really insightful for me because I was like, oh, no wonder why I like this, this, and this. You know what I mean? It's like, no wonder why I'm so in, you know, individualization, I'm so into cultures and patterns. Um, you know, so looking at what you do well, like, I feel like that's really useful. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is asking people, what am I good at? What do you get complimented on? What do people call you for help all the time with? 
you know, like seriously, you know, like my husband, he's really great at helping people buy cars and like, he has this whole gift and I'm like, you need to start a business. He's like, I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm a film editor. Leave me alone. (laughs) I'm like, start this business. He's like, do it with me. I'm like, no. But what I'm saying is it's like when people come up to you and ask you for help or they, you know, I just feel like people tell us all the time what we're good at. And it's like, you want to pay attention to that. And I feel a lot of people take what they excel at for granted. Mm -hmm. And they also push it away because they think, well, I couldn't really, you know, why would anybody pay me for that? You know, it's like, that's like, that's what my husband says, you know, what would they, they can find the information on the internet. I'm like, yeah, that's how everybody's doing businesses now. You know, if you compile it and you tell them the bullshit and the other stuff, it's good. So I feel for people listening, like what you can do is like, first, I do believe in strength finder. I mean, there's tons of personality tests, but that I felt was really useful because it was able to look at when you get that, then you can look at all the things you've done in your past and you can start to see where the dots connect, Mm -hmm. right? You get to be, um, you get to, it's like become a detective and look at your life objectively. Like, huh? Like if I was doing the biography of my life, what would I say I'm good at? (laughs) You know, and what did other people say about me? Like, or if it's a documentary about you and I just feel like it's that curiosity that you can start to see what you're good at and then go, well, okay, well, how can I build on that? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, like what you've done, I, you know, you're, you're really, you know, you're a smart guy and you have this journalistic ability and this is just something that's natural in you, your curiosity, and then creating your events, you put people together and, you know, and you didn't just put the usual suspects together, right? You put something together that was very unique and really beneficial for people. That's something you're good at doing. And while you're doing it, you realize I'm good at doing it. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it's, the thing that you have that impulse and that idea, it's like following those breadcrumbs are going to lead you to really seeing, because I didn't know that I was going to be really good at coaching coach. I had no idea, right. Until somebody, you know, said to me, you know, actually years ago, someone said, what can you teach to yoga teachers? And at that point I didn't have an answer. It's like, what can you do or teach to someone who might be doing the thing that you're doing? And, and again, it might take a little bit of time to figure it out. And, and I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. So, so let's do this. Um, you know, one of the, one of the other sort of patterns and themes I've noticed throughout your career and your journey is, is this idea of reinvention and you've brought it up multiple times throughout the course of our conversation. Um, then I've asked people about reinvention before, but I want to ask it to you in a very different way. And, you know, it's interesting because we've just talked about how we look at the threads of our past, um, and, and bring them into our self-expression. And one of the the sort of really profound realizations that I had j- just as as little as a week ago after our event um, was that I would always look into the future and I would see remnants of my past and I wasn't even realizing it because that's our natural tendency, right, is to look at, you know, what have we been good at in the past? So what I'm curious about is how we bring those threads from our past into the work that we do without looking into our future and seeing the remnants of our past. Does that make any sense at all? I'm not quite sure if I'm following it, but I'll do my best because what <laughs> I'm hearing from you is to me, we, we don't necessarily reinvent. We evolve. Okay. Okay. That's what I really believe, yeah. you know, is there, because reinvention is, it is reinvention, but I'm just going to play a word and put evolution. Okay. Right. And I do feel that sometimes looking at our past is not useful because it's not in present time. Mm-hmm. So it's more of extracting like an, like an archeologist, you know what I mean? It's like these little bits are the things that I rock at. And then it's like, or whatever that is. And it's like, 
you know, looking into the future isn't necessarily healthy either. It's, I feel like being in the present moment of the intention of what you're doing and why you're doing it and the energy of it, like the enthusiasm for what you're doing, the belief in yourself and the ownership is what's going to move you forward. Right. So it's like, you are who you are. You have all your experience. And the question is, is how are you leveraging all of the things that are in you? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have gifts that lay dormant that we don't even know. And we will never know, right? Until we get thrown into the pot of whatever it is that shows up or what gets created. Okay. I don't want to get too philosophical here. Um, because I do, I will say, I do believe we create our life and we create circumstances to get the things that we want, right? Like that we're, and, and again, doesn't mean everything, it's not every detail, but you know, there's a soul and there's a spirit that wants to evolve here and move a lot faster than our bodies. That's what we're constantly struggling with. So I feel like, you know, when you're creating something like in your future, like you're looking at the future of the podcast and, you know, now the instigator experience. And like, I can only imagine what's coming out of with everything with your books. And I feel like staying more in the present moment and the validation and the appreciation of what's going on is going to be key. Mm -hmm. Um, and looking at it as an evolution, right. Looking at it as like, like from like an artist, it's like some people only know like Picasso from like certain pieces of art, but Picasso has a huge, you know, a huge body of work. And it's like looking at your body of work of from where you are now. And it's like where you want to go. You just go, Hey, well, sometimes the clues can be back there, mm -hmm. but sometimes the clues are not that sometimes the clues are what's showing up for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is showing up? Who is asking for this? What is like, what do people keep coming to you for? And it's like, why are people keep doing this? So I'll give you an example. Bef when I was teaching yoga, you know, I was digging it great. You know, I got to be the superstar, whatever, you know, whatever it was. Cause you know, it, it did what it did. And I remember being cornered in Trader Joe's, the, the supermarket or whatever it's called. I don't know if it's considered a supermarket, but I guess it is. Um, and this woman cornered me and she was like, and, and she was dealing with eating disorders, which is something that, you know, I stole food to eat. So I never had an eating disorder really. You know I mean? I, it is different. My relationship with food is different. Um, but however, she's like, I want you to be my mentor. And I was like, excuse me. Like I looked at her, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I need help with my life. And I thought she was off her rocker. I was like, okay, uh, no. Like, thank you very much. I'm flattered, but I don't even know how I could do that. I mean, this woman was like Ivy League educated, but she had like, I was like, go to a shrink. <laughs> I was like, get a therapist. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even pay attention to it. And it's like over the time in my career early on, people were asking me for help. But I was like, I don't do that. I was actually resisting it. And it's like the reinvention or the evolution was showing up in the present. And I wasn't even really looking at it. I wasn't saying yes to it. I wasn't ready for it, whatever, whatever it is. And I see this a lot of the times. And then I also see people who actually follow those breadcrumbs mm -hmm. that they're like, you know, so to me, I feel like using the things from your past, it's not like sitting here and like spending all night and burning the midnight oil to figure out like, there's going to be, I don't know, you're going to find like, um, it's not like, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you're going to find the answer, you know what I mean? And whatever it is, it's more of like, let it happen organically. And I feel like that's really like when you're doing the thing you want to do, believe enough in what you're doing. And if you want to see who you want to be in two years, I feel like it's going to be pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I'm just tying that in is look at it as an evolution. And I would suggest to anyone here, 
um, whether you go online or go to a museum, look at a body of work of an artist from like when they started doodling to like when they got into the museum. It's pretty amazing to see the rejection. It's important, interesting to see where the things that they never, the world never really saw and what they became known for. Right. Mm -hmm. I just find that fascinating. I think we all have those. I mean, I, I can trace back things I've created. I mean, there's remnants of them online. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because I think that what I've come to see, uh, especially very recently, is that that future is very much unwritten. Mm-hmm. And when we're too caught up in our the stories of the past and the, the limitations of the past, we don't just bring what's useful. We bring all the useless stuff. We bring all the baggage <laughs> and bullshit into yeah. the future and we put it there. And so you're not creating on a blank slate. It's not a completely unwritten future, even though it actually is. And once I got my head around that, it was like, wow, what could I, you know, I'm not the person I was 10 years ago. I'm not the guy who got fired from every single job I've been at. Yeah. Those <laughs> things happen. Yeah. But they're not who I am. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. Totally. Because the thing is a certain behaviors were there and I totally agree with you. You know, it's like, you know, it may be who made you who you are today. And also when you look back, you know, when I look back at myself, I'm like, I was a bit of a punk, (laughs) you know, I was, and I was tenacious. I mean, I was so tenacious. I remember having a fashion, um, a writer. Cause when I did PR, like I just was so tenacious that they just put, they would put the piece in just because they didn't want me to call them anymore. I mean, again, it's a different time. <laughs> I had one guy say to me from Women's Wear Daily, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to pu- publish this because I do not want you calling me anymore. You were probably one of the most tenacious publicists I've ever, ever, ever. And I was like, okay, cool. Thank you. You know, like, because the tenacity was great, but it's like when the behavior doesn't work, it doesn't work. So that's the truth is you're going to bring your stuff from the past into the present, but you're going to quickly as an entrepreneur, burn it off. Mm -hmm. If you're like really wanting to go where you want to go, you're just going to learn that lesson and you release it. You just go, wow. (laughs) I, or you start to see the transformation that you actually handle the situation better. You know what I'm saying? That's, what's really beautiful about the entrepreneurial journey, you know, whatever it is, is you start to see your own self develop and you become this other person. And, you know, to me, we're not, we don't get born as a blank slate. I don't believe that. Right. So blank slate, whatever we bring to it, what we bring to it. And what I notice a lot with my clients or a lot of people, they're like, Oh, I thought I already dealt with that on some level. Yes. But yet then you have an opportunity to release it even more and become that much more free. Right. So to me, one of the biggest things I know I do again, I've never been a fan of vision boards. I used to make mock them. I did one a while ago and like years ago and like all the stuff started happening like four years later, you know, and I was like, wow, you know, yoga journals, like we, they reviewed my yoga DVD that I published and I was like, that's cool. You know, I just like folded it in a drawer and it was like the lining of my drawer now. And I don't want to get all weird on everyone, but I, I recently decided like, I'm going to do these. And I did one because I wanted to look at magazines and everything from a copywriter perspective. Mm -hmm. How are they selling me on this lifestyle? Like, how are they selling me and what words resonate with me and who do I want to become? Right? So it's like, if I look at it as I'm just getting images and we, we think in pictures. So if whether you, I just feel like knowing what you want and having pictures for it is really going to be useful. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, 
Michael Jordan visualizes and every golf player visualizes their swing is because we think in pictures. So when we see our past pictures, that stops us, that creates stuff, you know, releasing those pictures and going, Oh, that's from the past. That's not real now is, is part of what happens, right? The fear most entrepreneurs say that they're afraid to start. I feel like it's really permission. It's like, just who are you asking for permission from to go? Like, the game's on, <laughs> start, <laughs> you know? So I just feel like it's, we, like, essentially everyone wakes up every day and the universe or God or whatever you call it is asking you, what do you want? And making the decision of what one wants comes back to the ownership and the responsibility. And a lot of people want to be told, there's a lot of people who want to be told what they what they want, which is why we see, corporate America and the American dream, like a lot of the stuff is broken promises because it's changing. And now we're all on that precipice of making the change, right. Of doing it differently, um, from television, you know, communication from, from in every area. So I feel like really visualizing, like if you want to be the next publisher of something, you can go that big and who do you want to be? And now you just have to start with just publish the blog. You know what I mean? Like what's the first little thing that you got to do? And I feel like the stuff will come up and the less we dwell in it and the more we appreciate it and learn from it and move forward. Um, I mean, that's how I survived in my life. That's how I didn't end up a, you know, I didn't end up a stripper. I didn't end up a hooker. And I was most voted to be that in elementary school. (laughs) So people had a vision for me. They were like, you are going to be Literally, that's what I was going to be. You know, my family, you know, as much as I was Jewish, were drug dealers. And they're like, okay, you know, you're most likely to be, you know, a hooker. And I know people said that to me. And you know what? Them saying that to me is, you know, a lot of my life I became who I am in spite until I realized I don't need to do it in spite and run away. I can actually create who I want to be. Like, I actually can do that from inside, not just on the surface. So circling back is how not to get bit on your butt is do the inner work, whatever that means to you. Don't just do it on the surface because I don't feel like that's just not going to last. People see through that. Anyway, I circled back because I was like, oh, wait, that goes there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's, it's fitting. You actually helped me wrap up a conversation uh, really beautifully. <laughs> I think that that, now, now I don't have to circle back. Uh, Hillary, this has been really, really cool. So I'm going to ask you my final question, uh, which is how I've closed uh, the last several interviews with. You know, we live in a, a very, very noisy world, and you and I have talked about self-expression and creating personas. So, uh, you know, our show is called The Unmistakable Creative. Uh, so how do you become unmistakable in the world we live in today? Oh. Hmm. Just seeing everything as progress and not and and just taking one little step a day to to be creative in any area of your life. Really, any area. It doesn't it, it just one area that you can um find whatever creative solution or make something easier or make something more beautiful. I just feel like it, it's to me, um, it's all connected. It's not separate. And that the more that you can just validate whatever you have done and see that everything is progress, I feel is really the way to do it. I love it. Well, Hillary, this has been just 
mind-blowingly cool and uh, like I, said, <laughs> I mean i always know when melissa sends me somebody i have you know i know it's going to be great uh so i can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share some of your insights with our listeners here at the unmistakable creative well, I, um, you know, I wanted to do this for a while and I just allowed it to happen without pushing it. So it allows me, no, I'm serious. Like this was something that was in my vision and my future, but I just let it happen. And I just, you know, is that I used to be the person who pushed and forced mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and that behavior didn't work anymore, you know? And so I just let it be. It was like, yeah, it wasn't, on, you're not on my vision board, but you were in my <laughs> mind. I'm just going to say there was a picture of you on my vision board, but no, I'm just saying, and, um, and not to be like real, you know, with everyone, it's just however people visualize, but it really was, I have to say, this has been the, the best conversation, um, I've had in a really long time. And as I said, a few times to really be seen and heard and appreciated, um, to share my story and to share things that I've never shared before in this way, um, feels like such a blessing. So thank you so much. Awesome. And uh, for those of you guys listening, we'll wrap the show with that. You've been listening to the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. Visit our website at unmistakablecreative.com and get access to over 400 interviews in our archives. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. 
The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.